Good and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. So how much does God love you? That much, right? We have been in a series called Ways of Living, and this is in response to how much God loves us. Bishop Reuben Job has written a small but powerful book entitled The Three Simple Rules. Now, if you remember these with me, you can say them with me. The first one is what? Do no harm. The second one is do good. And the third one, stay in love with God. That's what we're talking about today, staying in love with God. Pastor Sheila began our series that few weeks ago with Do No Harm, and she said that she had the most difficult one to preach. And I would agree with her on this, because John Wesley said that we should avoid every kind of evil, especially that which is most generously, generally practiced. Now, in this, he lists a long list of things that take us away from our relationship with God. Drunkenness, fighting, quarreling, uncharitable conversation, needless self-indulgence, taking God's name in vain. And basically, he's saying anything that pulls us away from our relationship with God and our relationship with God's people, we are to do no harm. Now, Pastor Sheila challenged us even further. She said, doing no harm isn't just about doing no harm personally. It's about taking that further to look beyond ourselves to the responsibility of our society. Last week, I addressed the second way of living, do good. Now, let's see if you remember. God is good. And all the time, you remember. I'm so glad. You see, Wesley said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Just think how different our world would be if we lived into that. In each and every way, in each and every moment, in each and every possibility, to do all the good that we can. Now we know that there's no way that we can do this all on our own, right? There's no way that we can live into that kind of goodness on our own. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit within us and through us to be able to live in this way, to live in that love. And today we're looking at this third way of living. What does it mean to stay in love with God? Now, most of you know John Wesley was the founder of the United Methodist Movement, never meant for the church to leave the Anglican Church, but when it came over to the Americas, it became the United Methodist Church, what we now know as the United Methodist Church. At that time, they were the Methodists, and they were to attend upon the holy ordinances of God, attend upon all the ordinances, the holy ordinances of God, and then there's a disciplines that he challenged us to live in, worship, prayer, study, service, the Lord's Supper, all those things that, that bring us into the presence 
of God and the presence of God's love. Worship, prayer, study, and service, they're important, aren't they? They move us toward God because our human nature pulls us away from God. And so these practices pull us toward that loving relationship with God. Now, we all have relationships, correct? Every person in this room has relationships, spouse, family, friends, neighbors, right? We each and every one of children, we all have relationships, and relationships take work, amen? Relationships take work. Joe and I met at the age of 18 years of age, and much to the chagrin of my father, we're married, we're married 11 months later. And, um, and so we both know, after 35 years of marriage, that relationships take work. Um, now, when Joe and I got married, we each had a plan. He was going to finish his engineering degree. I was going to finish my education degree and become a kindergarten teacher. He had no idea on August 7th, 1982, he was marrying a pastor. No idea. I say, we plan and God laughs because God sometimes has other plans for us. And he had no idea by his own language that he was going to become a pastor's wife. He uh, introduces himself to every person in the church, a new person in the church, as he's the pastor's wife. And, and I will tell you that he had no idea he was getting into that role 35 years ago, but I will tell you that he is the best pastor spouse a spouse could ever have. He partners with me in all parts of ministry. It's not only my call, it's his call as well. And so I give God thanks for Joe. We've... we've mm -hmm. As the commercial says, we've come a long way, baby. <clears throat> During my call to ministry and my struggle with that, Joe struggled too. Uh, we had some ups and downs. And just like any marriage has, we had some difficulty in that. And I often tell couples who are coming to me for premarital that, that marriage takes work. It's, it's about the ups and the downs, going through those together. And the best of marriages, if, you, if they were to go to a person, to a couple that had been married over 50 years, that each and every one of those couples would tell them that marriage is not all roses, there are some thorns, right? There are some difficulties along the way. It takes work. When I began ministry and the stressful work of seminary, Joe was also in a very stressful position. He was traveling each week out of town, and so there would be weeks that would go by that we spent very little time together. So we were intentional. We developed a date night. Any married couples here ever established that date night? We would, we would go out on Friday evenings, and unless it was an emergency, I mean an emergency, nothing was calendared over that date night. And uh, we had to be intentional because some days there would be you know, we'd look across the table, we hadn't seen each other all week long, and I'd look across the table at dinner, and I'd say, do you still love me? And he'd say, of course I love you, and he'd say, do you still love me? Yes, of course I love you. It's intentional. You have to spend time together. You have to be together in order to foster that relationship with each other. 
Liking someone is a feeling. Love is different. Amen? I like a person because maybe they're funny or we have something in common. Love is deeper than that. Love continues to make the choice. Love is spiritual. Love is action. There's a world of difference between love and emotion. Amen? If love was an emotion, Jesus would have never died on the cross because we know in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't really feel like dying on the cross, did he? But he made that choice for you and for me. Emotions ride on roller coasters all over the place. Love is steady. That's why Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? In fact, in today's gospel text, Jesus asked Peter three separate times, doesn't he? Do you love me? Now, in part, I can understand that the writer of the Gospel of John is, is trying to right a wrong. Uh, if we remember, Peter denied Jesus how many times? Three times. But it's more than that. There's, it's more than that. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus wanted to harness that power, that love that he knew was in Peter's heart. He knew what Peter's heart was. He wanted to harness that power and that love in order to be sacrificial. Peter knew what it meant to love, but did he really know what it meant to love in Christ? To live that way sacrificially. He wanted to convert all of that passion into action. Leonard Sweet, uh, he's a theologian and writer and pastor. I, I love to read his work, and he notes this in his writing. He says, what took Peter three times to get and what takes all of us a lifetime to get is that Jesus' question about loving and his command about feeding are one directive. His question about loving and his question about feeding are one thing. You see, even though Peter had traveled with Jesus, seen him teach and seen him heal and all those things, he really still didn't understand what it meant to love like Christ, to step into that role. To love and serve are one. Loving Christ and loving and tending Christ's flock are one in the same thing. Now when I tell Joe I love him, it's not really for me. I want him to know, right? And it's the same thing for, for me when he tells me he loves me. It's not for him. He knows he loves me. I know I love him. It's for me. It's about putting that love over into someone else's needs and wants. And that's what Christ is saying. Do you love me? God's love is this much and this much more, right? It's to help us understand that he loves us. He wants us to love God's people, too. Because you can't say you love God and not love God's people. 
to love and to serve are the same thing. Now, Wesley knew that the only way that we could continue to step into those holy ordinances, to step into those ways of loving and serving was through tending to God's holy ordinances, he says. Tending to God's holy ordinances. It takes practice, right? Repetition. Staying in love with God takes repetition. You know, how many times did Peter have to answer Jesus' question? Three times. He asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He wants to get it into Peter's heart and mind that he loves him and that this love is reciprocated in serving God's people. Now, when I taught my daughters their bedtime prayers, it's probably the same prayer that many of you in this room taught your children. Now I lay me down to sleep, right? But I always ended it with another phrase with our girls. I ended it with, I love you, Jesus. Amen. I was planting a seed. I was hoping that it would grow and it would blossom into this love of Christ. And it would take shape and form in their own relationship with God. I repeated it over and over and over again. I love you, Jesus. Amen. And I was blessed when I was with Tessa one evening. That's my granddaughter right there. And she was a little girl at the time. And we were saying bedtime prayers. And she ended her prayer in, you can guess it, I love you, Jesus. Amen. And I could see that the relationship had been formed in Laura with God, and she was passing that on down to her own children. You see, staying in love takes repetition. I was reading an interview um, by Anthony Hopkins, actor. Um, he said that when he gets a movie script, he reads it through in between 100 and 200 times before production. Wow, 100 to 200 times before production. He makes notes in the margins, he says. He scribbles and doodles and imagines how it would look on stage or screen. And by the time Hopkins is finished, that script is internalized. He knows his character. He knows all of his lines and everybody else's lines too. And he takes on the personification of the character and the script. Now, I have to admit that when I read this interview, I thought to myself, if Anthony Hopkins can read through a script 100 to 200 times, how come I can't read through the Bible 100 to 200 times? Right? Because if I read through the Bible 100 or 200 times, what would it get in? It would get inside of me, right? I would internalize it. I would know the word, word for word, and I would be able to lean into that love, right? Well, the letter that I've probably read the most is Philippians. I've not read it near 100 to 200 times. But as we were studying it, a group of women were studying that together this last quarter, I began to see those themes kind of come to the surface. God's love seen in certain ways through the Holy Scripture. And I realized that I was internalizing that love and it was starting to 
infiltrate into my life. It was guiding my decisions. It was showing me the way. Staying in love with God takes repetition. And as I said, it also takes practice. It takes practice. We need to live in those faith rituals to give us that stability when everything else in our lives seems to be shifting. We need those times of worship. We need the times of Holy Communion, giving thanks, times of silence, being with God. We need these faith rituals that become holy habits in our life. And as we live into those holy habits in our life, then we seem to become that, right? I look forward each week, each Tuesday, Tuesday at 7 o'clock until the next Total Tuesday prayer service in the chapel. I long for it now every week because I enter that space and it's quiet and the music is playing and I have time to listen for God's voice, to walk with God, to talk with God. It may not be a garden, but it is the sanctuary where God continues to speak into my life. Those holy ordinances are to be practiced for a reason. We're to open ourselves up to God so that God can speak to us. We're to practice that. And staying in love not only takes repetition and practice, but it takes humility, church. We have to remember who this is about. We have to remember we're not all that in a bag of chips. It's about putting God first in our lives. And when we put God first in our lives, everything else seems to fall into place. Loving people gets easier. Living into God's word gets easier when we put God first in our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all shall be what? Added unto you. And the scriptures also say in Philippians, do don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility think of others better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Adopt the attitude of Christ Jesus. Loving God, staying in love with God takes repetition, takes practice, and it takes putting God first in our lives, remembering who we are, and who God is. Every married couple that kind of comes, that comes to me for, for marriage advice before the ceremony, um, we have two or three sessions together that talk about God's love and their love for each other. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes about one cord is easily broken, two is stronger, not as easily broken, but a three-cord strand is not easily snapped. A lot of couples pick that scripture for their wedding ceremony because it gives us the image of what it means to live with God in the center of our relationships. One chord, just by yourself, it's hard to live this life, isn't it? In relationship with someone else, without God in the center, can be done, but it can be easily snapped. 
but with God in the center of our relationships. That cord is not easily snapped. To stay in love with God means that we're to hold God in the center of every relationship we have, everything we do. And when we do that, we cannot be broken, church. We cannot be broken. No matter what comes our way, no matter what happens in the world around us, with God in the center of our relationships, we cannot be broken because we have God in the midst of our hearts. We know what's truly important, right? So Jesus says, do you love me? And we say, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, feed my lambs. He says, do you love me, church? And we say, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, take care of my sheep. And he says again, do you love me, church? And we say, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, feed my sheep. To love God means to serve God. James says, faith without works is what? Dead. We're to live into that love, to live into it with every fiber of our being. And when we do, we realize and we know and we don't even have to think about it, that God loves us how much? That much and that much more. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.